Good morning, Westridge. Happy New Year. Those of you uh, that have been around Westridge for a few years know that I have the same resolution every year. Do some of you remember this? Thank you. It's God. Help me not to be as stupid this year as I was last year. Same thing. And then, you know, Risa has a New Year's resolution, and it's God, help Gordon not to be as stupid this year as it was last year. Okay, so I'm just bringing those of you that are newer into the fold here uh, and into my psychosis and other maladies that I have. Have you stopped to be thankful for 2014? I mean, for example, I'm most thankful that the bear season has ended. I'm not saying the GM, the former GM and the former coach are disliked in Chicago, but if someone put a sack over their head and kidnapped them, not even Liam Neeson would go after them. And this is all about being thankful. Uh, I, have a, I have a serious resolution for you for 2015, and that is to be more generous, to make 2015 a more generous year than last year. And I'm convinced the, the way to produce generosity in your life is not for me to harangue about needs or to condemn your greedy little heart, although both those things may be true. I'm convinced the place to start is by intentionally cultivating a heart of gratitude. A grateful heart, a gracious heart, a graceful heart is a generous heart. And it's the best antidote to a greedy heart. Now, you may be thinking, oh, generous, that's not, that's not really what I had in mind for 2014. What's in it for me? Well, generosity is the surest way for you to experience more joy and more fulfillment in this year. How's that for a brand new you? More joyful, more fulfilled. Research has actually proven that grateful people sleep better, appreciate their spouse more, and report feeling happier in general. So here's a New Year's resolution for you. This year, I'm going to aggressively cultivate gratitude. Let me tell you how. By relentlessly looking for the gifts that God places in my life. Gratitude has been called the mother of all virtue. And the Apostle Paul tells us that most of the malignancies that cramp the human spirit slither out of a swamp of ingratitude. The Bible says, although they knew God, they would not worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And then writing to the Thessalonians, he says, no matter what happens... What? No matter what happens? Even when it's snowing and icing and you're leaving downtown at 7.45 in the morning, no matter that? That matters. No matter what happens, always be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, if you're still wondering about this be generous by being more grateful thing, what's the alternative? Ingratitude? How's that work out for you? Ingratitude turns us into miserly, miserable munchkins. How's that for a resolution? 
This year, if at all possible, I'd like to become a smaller person, inhabiting my own little world, consisting of my own little needs. I'd like to be more tight-fisted, less grateful, and more unfulfilled in 2015. Immanuel Kant, the German philosopher, agrees in his own way. He says, ingratitude is the essence of vileness. Well, I'm not a German philosopher, so I'll translate that. It means ingratitude, that's a bummer. It decays the spirit. It spoils the soul. It decomposes life itself. And few, regardless of the view of humanity or God, could disagree. We ought to be grateful. Right? But therein lies the problem. It doesn't do much good for people to be told they ought to be grateful. When I would complain about dinner as a child, to my mother, which I did way too often, she would remind me that I ought to be grateful for the food in front of me. Right? Did your mothers ever do that? Now, as soon as she was telling me that, I was thinking, I know some other kids that occasionally have steak. And the highest on the food chain, literally, that we got with our protein would be some kind of cheap lunch meat, fried for a little extra flavor. And I knew some other kids that could have candy for snacks, and it wasn't even Halloween, and I'd have a bowl of milk with some saltine crackers crumbled up in it. I was anything but grateful. What I couldn't see was the fact that my mother was trying to do her best with what she had on a small grocery budget, and that what I had was, in fact, more than she had as a child. And that's a problem. And the root of that problem is this. I did not recognize the gift. I didn't recognize it. And when you don't recognize the gift, you don't feel grateful. And when you don't feel grateful, you're not generous. And I got, I got to confess to you, I still got that problem. I still allow ingratitude to gather steam and roar into my consciousness. That's why I want to say to you again, aggressively cultivate gratitude by relentlessly looking for the gifts that God places in your life. One of the best ways to aggressively cultivate gratitude is to consciously make a decision this year to look for the gifts that God has and will give us. And because we live in a self-absorbed culture today, we may need help understanding just exactly what a real gift is. So I'm going to gift to you today four characteristics of real gifts. So you can recognize them in your life the rest of this year, okay? Characteristic number one. A real gift comes with a giver attached. Not everything we get for nothing is a gift. We were uh, walking along the streets of Chicago one day with our children, and Tiffany, our youngest, at that time was a first grader. She picked up a piece of paper off the sidewalk, and she handed it to her mom. She said, look, Mom, I found a $10 bill. Mom looked at it and quickly showed it to me. Our young daughter had left a zero off of the end of the number 10. It was really a $100 bill that she found lying there on the sidewalk. 
Now, this was in the mid-90s, and this poor church planter at the time could think of a hundred ways to spend a hundred dollars. And sure, I could thank God, but as I was thanking God, someone else could be cursing God because they're a hundred dollars lighter in their pocket. Free gift? Yep. Finders keepers. Something for nothing. But not a real gift. No one to thank. No giver attached. A gift without a giver attached is a false thing. It's not really a gift at all. Just something for nothing. Doesn't move us to gratitude. An impersonal gift may be no more than a lure. We know what some people are up to when they give us gifts and expect something in return. We know what lobbyists are up to when they offer a congressperson a free vacation in Hawaii. Some people give gifts the way a fisherman gives a gift to a fish. There are those that would give us a gift just to hook us. And when that happens, that can cause us to become cynical and suspicious. And cynicism and suspicion can cause us to miss real gifts that God's placing in our life. Because real gifts, they've got a giver attached. Like the phone call from my grandmother on my birthday every year until her 96th and last year on earth. Now, she had seven children of her own, dozens of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. But that phone call every December 6th, and even if I wasn't home, she would take a risk and talk to this answering machine, some kind of technology she never quite ever figured out in her life. But that phone call, that was a gift that fills me with gratitude to this day because of the giver on the other end. Characteristic number two. Real gift costs something to give, but nothing to get. For something to count as a gift, the person who gives it has to forego something. Time, money, talent, doesn't matter what, doesn't necessarily matter even how much, as long as it costs the giver something to give it. But it only costs to give. It never costs anything to receive a real gift. Have you ever had... Someone do a favor for you, and then they cap it off by saying, now you owe me one. Or maybe you've been, uh, maybe uh, you did a favor for someone, and they said, okay, I owe you. Sometimes we receive gifts, and we feel as if the gift puts us in debt to the giver. Something odd about that. If a gift leaves you a debtor, what you have gotten is a loan, not a real gift. That's quid pro quo. Real gifts don't leave us under any obligation. Not even the obligation to be grateful. Otherwise, where's the grace in it? Where's the joy? And yet it feels natural to want to give back to someone who's given something to us. And so saying, I'm deeply grateful for what you have done, is a way to acknowledge the gift and provide a sense of fulfillment to the giver. Characteristic number three. Giving is a gamble. When we gift something, we lose control. The person who receives our gift may flush it down the sewer. They may re-gift it next Christmas. They may pawn it. They may put it in a garage sale next spring. 
my wife comes from a rather large family, and so they've got this rather bizarre Christmas ritual uh, because they always play the same game every Christmas. And it's where everyone gets together and they get in a circle and everyone brings a wrapped gift and they put it in the middle of the circle uh, and then you, uh, you pick numbers and then you pick gifts. Now you can take someone else's gift or you can choose from the pile in the middle and a gift can only change hands twice. Any of the rest of you ever play that, that game? Okay. I hate this game. (laughs) And so uh, one year I ended up with a golf club. I really didn't want it, but that's what I ended up with. It was a nice one iron. Now, I've given up on golf six or seven times in my life, and this was a phase in which I had given up on the game. And anyway, when I did play, I couldn't hit a one iron. So next Christmas rolls around, I'm cleaning out the closet, and guess what I find? A really nice, unused one-iron. And I was only too happy to wrap it up for the Christmas game that year. I'd received a gift, yes, but it went unused, and eventually it was given back. A true gift leaves the giver exposed. Defenses down, out of control. The person we give it to may not even appreciate it. That's always a possibility. But the only kind of gift anyone is ever grateful for is a gift the giver risks giving. That's the way real gifts are. Characteristic number four. One last thing about real gifts. They take us by surprise. Watch a child circle a wrapped gift lying at the base of a Christmas tree. They stoop over the box. They pick it up. They test its weight. They shake it gingerly. They hold it up to their ear as if the box itself could tell them what's in it. And they set it back on the floor in, in the exact spot where it was because they ache to know. But what they want most is to be surprised at the hour of giving. Sometimes we're surprised by gifts that had been there all the time, but for whatever the reason, we miss them. They were there, but we didn't recognize they were real gifts. And when it finally dawns on us, the familiar suddenly glows with newness. Sort of like this last Christmas week, when I was able to unplug from the routine for a few days. During a family gathering, I was sort of standing off to the side. And it was almost as if I was watching a play. And I was in the audience, not a part of what was going on stage. And I'm just surveying the room. There's our two daughters and their husbands. There's my father. There's Reese's mother. A couple of nieces, six-month-old grandnephew, one of Reese's brother, my only brother, and his wife. I'm just looking and reflecting. And it would dawn on me again from that vantage point that my life and these people on this day are gifts from God. When I recognize the gift, guess what happened? I had a deep sense of gratitude that comes from setting back and taking a look at the big picture. The kind of big picture that's sometimes missed when we're in the midst of the daily grind. The daily grind causes us to miss the gifts God's wanting to give us sometimes. One author says it this way, to be truly alive 
is to feel one's ultimate existence within one's daily existence. So this year, relentlessly look for gifts every single day and aggressively cultivate gratitude because that'll change your life and the life of those around you. And before we get too far in 2015, let's be reminded about this gift. The Bible says the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Giver attached? Well, the great giver, God, is giving us the greatest gift, eternal life. Cost something to give? Oh yeah, it cost his life. Was it a gamble? Although they knew God, they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Surprising? The whole story of God loving us and pursuing us dying for us is the great surprise. One prominent person said, after I accepted God's love, the rest of my life was just a P.S. saying, thank you. Now, here's the best news I can tell you this morning. If you haven't accepted this gift that Romans chapter 6, verse 23 is talking about, you can. You can accept it right now right here, today. You're welcome.